welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. How y'all doing, people of God? Yeah, it's good to see people in the house. So I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. The last year I've been in the house of the Lord and it's been empty in here. So it's good to see some of the family, some faces I haven't seen in a while. Um, and to have you guys worshiping, worshiping with us and for all of those who are are worshiping at home. Uh, I'm excited for the day when we can all be together. Amen. 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 Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have us go ahead and get into this text. Why don't you stand with me and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. To Hebrews chapter 2. Um, I'm excited this morning uh, because we're going to start a little, a little mini-series for the summer today. Uh, through the book of Hebrews called Greater Than. Greater Than. Yes, he is. I heard somebody say, come on, talk back to me. Greater Than. Amen. I know that's right. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. I want you to follow along with me. Here's the word of the Lord. It says this. It says, For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? For this salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. And at the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. If I could tag our text for this morning, I would simply say, watch out for the drift. Watch out for the drift. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you, O oh God. We thank you that you have given to us a great salvation through your son through your son Jesus who took on human flesh who lived a perfect life obedient in every way till the cross and then he suffered at the hands of his own creation and died a brutal death in my place in your place God we thank you for your son because he didn't stay in that grave but he rose on the third day your word says with all power in his hand and then and then he sat down at the right hand of glory and it's because of what he did that we have access to this great salvation so God we say thank you God we say thank you 
We say thank you. May your name receive all the honor, the glory, and praise that it's due from your people this day and forevermore, God, we pray. In the name of your son, Jesus, who is the Christ. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 And amen. Go ahead and, and, and take your seat. Watch out for the drift. Now, I, I don't know if y'all can tell by me standing up here, but I'm a black man. Um, and I know black men are not monolithic, um, but I think there are a lot of black men who would agree with me when I say this, that I don't like going to the beach. Now, now, I only heard booze coming from some of the women folk in the house. But, but because I'm a sacrificial husband, and I love my family and I serve them well, I go to the beach, even though I don't like it. And I don't like it because of all the sand. Who wants to deal with all that sand? When I can go to the pool, get in the water, get out the water, and nothing sticks to me. I ain't got to worry about no cleanup. You just dry off and you good. Now, the only thing worse than going to the beach and having to deal with sand is going to the beach and having to deal with sand when you got little kids. I don't need your amen this morning. I know I'm in the text. But, 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 you know, when, when you go to the beach, when I go to the beach with my family, you know, I, I, you know, I lay out, lay out the little beach blanket, you know, and I put my chairs down right where I want them, you know, not too far back. Cause I don't want to walk across the hot sand until I get to the water, but not, not too close up because you know, later in the day, the tides start coming in and I don't want my stuff getting wet or having to move again. So you got to find just the right spot, right? So I lay my blanket down. I put my chairs down, got my little umbrella, like tilted just the right way. So I ain't got to move too often when the sun rotates in the side, you see all the stuff you got to think about when you go to the beach. Ain't nobody got time for that. But, 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 but anyway, I, I, I do all this and then, then I go get in the water especially on a hot day I'm not going to the beach if it's you know the only, the only time you go to it should go to the beach is if you get in the water I don't know why you go to the beach just to sit on the sand that don't even make sense but anyway you know I, I you know I get in the water and I be chilling in the water I don't want to play when I go to the beach I just want to chill in the water I just want to sit there and and relax but you know after a while I, I don't know if you can if you've had this experience you look up and you realize that somebody moved your whole beach set up and so I find myself looking to the shoreline for, because I know what my umbrella looks like. So, you know, the chair's a little low, but I can see the umbrella. And I'm looking for my umbrella. Who moved my stuff? Somebody got the nerve to touch my stuff at the beach. Like, and I know I'm saved, but I'll be ready to fight. And then I realized it wasn't the umbrella that moved. It wasn't my stuff that moved. It was me that moved. Because as I'm just chilling and relaxing and not paying attention in the water, I haven't realized how far away I've drifted, drifted from where I'm supposed to be. Here's, here's what I want us to be mindful of when we read a text like this from the book of Hebrews. 
is that drifting away is possible. I, I don't think y'all, I, I don't think y'all heard me. I don't, I don't think y'all heard me because sometimes we get real comfortable in the Christian faith that, that we don't take attentiveness. We, we don't take mindfulness to say like, man, man, what am I doing to make sure that, that I and those in my sphere of influence are not susceptible to drift? Drifting away is possible. This, this brings me to, to, to the, the first of three points uh, today, and then, then I'm going to be out your way. No, number one, pre- preventing drift requires purposeful attentiveness. It, it requires purposeful uh, attentiveness. Look, look at what the, pre- the preacher says. He says, for this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. Now, now I, I like how he starts this. He's, he says for this reason. Now, now um, I, I know we're going through a series through Hebrews, and I want y'all to bear with me. I promise you I'm going somewhere, and I know we're starting in chapter 2 at, at the beginning of this, this series. But, but, but he, I, I want to start there because he gives an exhortation in these first few verses that have to do with the entire book. And, and here in chapter two, when he says for this reason, he's making a point to for us to look back at the argument that he's making in chapter one so that we understand why what he's about to say next is so important. And so he says for this reason and, and for this reason means that we need to look back at chapter one. Now, I don't want to give it all away because we're going to deal with chapter one next week. But 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 we got to know that that in chapter one, he starts out from the gate, from verse one, talking about the supremacy of the son. He like he, he he's like he's like John. You know how John starts off like 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 you you know in the beginning was the word. He he starts off at the very first sentence and lets you know I, I'm not going to build up an argument to prove to you that Jesus is God. I'm going to let you know Jesus is God on the front end, and then I'm going to let the argument flesh itself out afterwards. And the preacher of Hebrews does the same thing. He, he he says he says long ago God spoke to the fathers through the prophets, but now he speaks through the Son. And this son has been made heir of all things. So much so that God made the universe through him. The son is the radiance or the reflection of God's glory. The Bible even says he's the exact imprint of his nature. The son sustains all things by the power of his word. He, and, and listen, listen, and, and this son, after he made purification of sins, guess what he did? He had the audacity to sit down at the right hand of God where he belonged. And, and, and then, 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 then the writer sneaks something in there. He says, and he's also superior to the angels. Now, 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 now we're, we're going to get to that even. We're going to deal with that a little bit today. Why he even brings up the angels in this whole discussion. He says he's superior to the angels, has a, a name excellent, more excellent than this. Listen, I wish I could just preach chapter one right now, but I'm going to wait till next week. But this, listen, I, I don't want you to miss this. In chapter one, the entirety of chapter one is about the supremacy of the son. And he says, in light of that supremacy, for this very reason, I, 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 need you to, I need you to tune in to what I'm about to say next. And, and matter of fact, he says, he doesn't just say, pay attention. 
What did he say? He says, I want you to pay more attention. It means that, that, that you, your attention has already been grabbed. You're, you're already noticing and, 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 and you have your mind on what we're talking about. But he's saying, listen, what I'm about to share, right, based on what I've already said about the son, is so serious and so consequential that you need to make sure that you pay even more attention than the regular attention you just pay to what I'm about to say. Because, because, because the, the, the whole theological framework of the, the book of Hebrews the writer, the preacher, is, he's going to flesh out and explain exactly what he means when he says the things that we've heard. Right now, his, his writers know what he's talking about with the things that, that he's heard. But because he wants them to, to pay close attention, to focus in, he, he's going to give them a little bit more fleshing out, a little bit more information just to make sure that, 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 there's, that there's no, uh, uh, like there's, there's no missing of interpretation so that you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Because the, the worst thing that you can do when you're trying to build an argument is build an argument with somebody and you're using definitions for this different definitions for the same term. Right. Like, like you stay, stay with me. Like you, you've been in an argument with somebody before where you're using the same term and yet you can't come to agreement because you're defining that term differently. Right. Well, the, the preacher here saying saying I, I, I I've, like y'all know what we've heard, but I'm going to flesh it all out so that there's no mistake about what exactly we're talking about. So he says, he, he says, I want you to pay more attention. Now, now, this more attention is not just related to hearing. It's related to obeying. Because there, there, there's a difference between hearing and obeying. And so he says, I, I want you to give more careful attention. I, I want you to, I want you to, give more concentration to what I'm talking about. And he says that because he wants his audience to realize that their attention span has to correspond with the greatness of the revelation. Did y'all catch that? He says, he says, because this revelation is so much more superior it requires more of your attention span. And, and, and so he says, he, he, let, me, let me give you an example. You know, sometimes you order stuff online. Most of y'all got Amazon, we, you know, because we like Amazon Prime, right? And you know, every once in a while you'll order something um, and, and your box gets there and on the side of the box in big red letters, it'll say fragile, handle with care, right? Handle with care. Y'all have seen that box, right? And, and sometimes it'll have little pictures on the box, right? And, 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 and sometimes it'll have arrows on the box because, because it, it wants to give you a, enough information to know that there's a certain way to hold this. There's a certain way that the box has to be carried. There's a certain way it has to be transported because what's in the box, though protected by the box, and by bu bubble wrap and, and sometimes surrounded by packing peanuts, e even though it's protected by all of those things, it still needs extra care. Yeah. And so they put the sign there to draw your attention to the fact that what's inside, even though protected, is fragile enough to be broken if you don't handle it with care. Yeah. So the preacher is drawing his audience's attention to the fact that you can't treat this message like any other message. You can't treat what's been said about the supremacy of the son 
like any old other revelation that's been given. Because the way that this message has been delivered supersedes and is far greater than all of God's other delivery methods. And because of who has delivered the message, he says, I, I need you to pay more careful attention. Because he says, he says the result, the result of not paying attention, he says it right in the text. He says the, the result of not paying attention, more careful attention, is drifting away. Now, I, I, I like this terminology, drifting away, because it already paints an illustrative picture for me. It's, it's a nautical metaphor. It, it, it's, it gives with it the, the intended idea that the hearers must attend to their course with diligence, lest through neglect they drift and miss their intended harbor. Whether because they've been pulled by strong currents or pushed by strong winds. Now, now many of us would look at that and say, well, how can I be at fault for being pulled by strong currents or pushed by strong winds? And the answer embedded in this section is that it's because you weren't paying careful enough attention. It says winds and currents shouldn't cause you to miss the harbor if you're paying careful attention. Because what, what, what he's saying is, he's saying that, that, that drifting regardless of why you've drifted, makes you culpable. And, and, and it's funny is that, that when, when, uh, when the writer uses this word for drifting throughout the rest of the book, it often is associated with evil and disobedience. Did you hear that? Like this ain't no passive, apathetic like type of drifting, this is, this is to, to drift is evil and disobedient, right? Because be, even for these early believers, the believers, you know, they had heard the words of the gospel and more or less agreed with it, but, but the word hadn't taken root yet, hadn't really sunk in, in a way where it was rooted in their lives. And I, I, I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why, stay, stay, if you don't hear nothing else, please hear this, it's because it takes more than mental assent to be a disciple. Just because you agree with the tenets of the Christian faith doesn't make you a disciple. There are many who will call Jesus a good teacher and are not disciples. You might like being around church folk, even as much as we got a bad rap, but you might like being around us because they encourage you and they sing good songs and, and you won't disagree with anything that they've said from the Bible, but it does not make you a disciple. Because last time I checked, Jesus didn't say, if you love me, you'll agree with what I said. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You know, some of this tendency to drift, both, both then in the preacher setting and even now uh, in our current culture, was evidence from the reluctance to identify publicly with the Christian community. That's why he, that's why he tells them in chapter 10, to stop neglecting gathering with the saints. 
Listen, that, that should be a warning to us to not get so comfortable with virtual Christianity that we use it as a replacement for the church. Now listen, listen, I'm not saying that being virtual this last year doesn't have its benefits. It, it was absolutely needed to help us to stay connected. But I can guarantee there are some of us who are watching this right now who are not excited to go back to fellowship with God's people in person because we're comfortable with the ability to show up in our pajamas and sit on the couch and text on our phone and not be held accountable and not have to really pay attention because we know that we can rewind and replay it later on in the week. pastor was calling his people he was calling his people he was calling his people to resist the compromise despite social pressures and enticement can I can I be honest this morning with us y'all know I like to keep it a hundred but some of us Jesus help me some of us would rather be accepted by the world than for them to throw an unjust label on us. And I'll tell you why. It's because, even in the church, we value being seen as an advocate or as affirming over being seen as holy. Preventing drift requires purposeful attentiveness. Not, not only does it require purposeful attentiveness, but preventing drift, it, you, you know what else it does? It protects from inescapable judgment. <laughs> Listen, I wish y'all could have heard online how quiet it was in here <laughs> when I just said that. You know, because that makes us uncomfortable. It, it, it makes us uncomfortable to talk about the coming judgment. Well, let, let me clue you into something. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Right? Like, we, 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 we've, we've, we've got to stop not neglecting to preach the duality of the gospel. That, that God loves us so much that he did not even, Romans chapter 8, he did not even spare his own son. But also that those who reject his son will experience his wrath for eternity. We, we got we to gotta preach it both. We, we got to preach it both. Look, look, look what he says. He, he says. he says, verse 2, for if the message spoken through angels was legally binding and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment... How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So what, 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 what message spoken by the angels is he referring to? Well, well what, what the preacher is referring to is the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And, and so if you, if you didn't know, 
This idea of the angels as uh, mediators of this divine revelation at Mount Sinai was, was gaining special attraction in the Judaic word and, world and in the synagogues because in Deuteronomy chapter 33 too, it talks about the presence of 10,000 holy angels with the Lord at Mount Sinai. And, and Stephen, as he's giving his last sermon before he's killed, mentions the reality that the law was given under the direction of the angels. And Paul in, in Galatians chapter 3 even mentions the fact that the law was put into effect by the angels by the means of a mediator and so what he's drawing their attention to is the reality that that they had begun to exalt angels in a place above the sun as a means of divine revelation because they they contributed as mediators to the giving of the law to the people and and the giving of the law at that point in time was the most uh, superior revelation that God had given to his people and so they held fast to the law in all aspects of the law which meant because the angels helped to give the law that they now exalted them to a higher place and so now, now, now the preacher is having to argue. Remember what he says in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 4, which we'll get to in, in detail next week. But remember what he says. He says that he gave the son a name that was greater than the angels. And the reason that he has to bring up the angels is because in the covenant community, they had begun to exalt the presence of angels higher than the son. But, but that's not the point of his argument necessarily here in, in, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. What, what he says is his, his focus is more on the effects of the legally binding message that the angels helped to mediate. So he said the angels helped to mediate the law. Because they helped to mediate the law, what the law was supposed to do was the law was supposed to give the people of God a, a set of expectations that God had placed on them that they were supposed to obey. And if they did not obey, guess what happened? There was a just punishment. And so what he's trying to do is he's trying to draw attention not to the angels, but to the absolute certainty of just punishment and judgment if they did not adhere to the message that was delivered by the angels, i.e. the law. Now, the reason that he does this is because he's, he's beginning to make a lesser than, greater than argument. And he's saying that if the message given by the angels at Sinai, Sinai or mediated by the angels at Mount Sinai, the law, i.e. the law, is the lesser of the two, and the greater revelation has come through the Son, i.e. Jesus Christ, then if there is certain punishment for disobedience to the lesser, then how much more is there absolute certain punishment for those who neglect the new message, the greater message of the Son? Said, he said, he said, he said, to neglect the word brings about absolute punishment. Now, you know, one, one of the things that I take great pride in is when um, people come to watch my kids and they, they leave and they say, man, your kids are so well behaved. You know, as a parent, you know, you, you, you never want to come home and people tell you they're not coming back again because... <laughs> Your kids is all raggedy. And so, so I'm, 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 you know, I, I don't expect to hear a different message when I come home, but I still enjoy it. it it's, it's like, okay, I, I appreciate that. I, I'm glad my kids have a, have a good uh, 
reputations, right? And, 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 uh, and, but, but the truth is I've never had to give like a ton of spankings in my house. Now, now I believe in it. Bless God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, but I've never had to give a ton of spankings in my house. But there are two things that will almost certainly guarantee my foot meeting your behind. And that is lying and willful disobedience. You can ask my kids. Most of their spankings have come not because they did something wrong, but because they lied about it. But, but lying and willful disobedience. Every time I hear willful disobedience, all I think about is that scene from The Lion King where, where Mufasa's calling Simba over after he, he left and went to the elephant graveyard. And he's like, Simba, you have deliberately disobeyed me. And then, and then he don't discipline him at all. I hate that parenting. That is, never mind. That's a, uh, don't, don't worry about it. But, but, but willful disobedience, right? You know, you know, you know why? I, it's just something about willful disobedience just gets to me. Because it says, I heard you. But I don't care because I'm going to do what I want to do. It, it, it says, I don't respect you enough to take what you said seriously. And, 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 and y'all, y'all parents, y'all, y'all parents will, will, you know, I, if there is anything that would make you want to fight your kids like a grown man, it's willful disobedience. Just, this is just something that raises up inside of you. It don't matter how young they are, too. It's just, it's just something that raises up inside of you. Praise God for self-control. That, 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 just, that just happens. But, but you, you know what? As, 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 as much as that's true, it's so convicting. Because the Lord has often put a mirror up in front of me. And he's, he's, he, said, he said, why are you so offended by that from your children, which is the lesser? When you do that to me often which is the greater. Why, why don't we get offended? Like, like why, why, why are we less offended when we willfully disobey God? Because, because, we, because our, our, our egos are, are too big. Right? But this is that lesser greater argument that, that, the, that the author is, is, is trying to make, right? And so he, he's, what, what he's pointing to, he's pointing to the fact that, that there, was a, there was a disregard shown. God's word spoken at Sinai by the wilderness generation. And it merited certain punishment. That's why we see in Numbers chapter 32, it, verse 13, it says, this, it says, The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Until the whole generation that had done what was evil in the Lord's sight was gone. You know, the fact that we find scriptural precedent precedent in God's punishment of the disobedient in the lesser situation should provide a basis for an assumption that there's even more severe punishment coming for the greater revelation. I, I like, I, I had, I, I, this is from one, one commentary, what one commentary said. I had to read this a couple times because it just, it was like, my, my goodness. He's, he says that the preacher wants his hearers to feel that, if possible, the judgment of those faithless to the son is even more certain 
then the absolute certain judgment of those disobedient under the Old Testament revelation. Did y'all hear that? I'll read it again. I'll read it again. He said he wants his hearers to feel that if possible, listen, the judgment of those faithless to the son is even more certain than the absolute certain judgment of those disobedient under the OT revelation. I don't know how more certain you get than absolute certain. But he's saying he's saying that's how much more certain it is. For those that neglect this great salvation over and above those who disregarded the word given at Sinai, i.e. the law. So he's, he's essentially saying the judgment for those who reject Christ and the revelation that God has dispensed through his son is far more greater and certain than disobedience to the law. Whoo! If that doesn't scare you that doesn't scare you I, mean, I, I don't know what to say if you can look at that and not be somewhat afraid of this God who has dispensed these revelations of himself and given a requirement to respond right but he, but he says he says he, he says he talks about this he says how we escape if we neglect such a great Salvation, right? The, 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 the great salvation is great because unlike the mediated word given at Sinai, which just is a word that requires obedience and pronounces judgments, that, that's all it does. It, 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 it pronounces uh, or, or requires obedience and pronounces judgment. That's all it does. It cannot save. It doesn't give you any help. All it does is give you requirements to obey and it pronounces judgment. That's it. But he says there, there's a great salvation that exists through the revelation of the Son. And it's great because not only does it give a provision for obedience, but it also delivers from judgment and brings the faithful into fellowship with God. He says this, this, this is what the great salvation is. He says unlike the law which can't save, but only puts requirements on you. There is a greater revelation that comes with a message that actually has the ability to save. The law, the lesser of the two, which can't bring you closer to God, is so much lesser than this God who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that he could not abolish the law but fulfill it and through faith in him. Guess what he does? He brings you near. So I, that's why Paul could write that those who are far off have been brought near. That, that's why John writes that for those who have believed upon his name, he's given them the right to be called sons of God. Because this revelation through the son has the ability to save. You know, a central theme in this book of Hebrews is, and we'll, we'll, we'll see this often as we continue on, is that Christ, Christ is infinitely greater than all of the other proposed ways to God. So just as Christ is greater than the angels, right, chapter one, 
so is his message greater than theirs. Right? Preventing drift protects from inescapable judgment. And then lastly, preventing drift, preventing drift assumes that you stand firm on the testimony and power of the gospel. It assumes that you stand firm on the power and testimony of the gospel. Look what it says, second half of verse 3. It says, this salvation had its beginning when it was confirmed of by the Lord, and it was confirmed uh, to us by those who heard him. And at the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders and various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according uh, to his will. Like, I, I, I like it here. The, the preacher begins to talk about this idea of how this great salvation, the message of this great salvation, where, where it came from, uh, where, where they heard it from. And, and he talks about the, he, he begins to kind of allude to the message of Jesus Christ's earthly ministry and how Jesus introduced this great message. Not that we didn't have shadows of it, not that we didn't have sneak peeks and trailers of it before, but when Jesus came on the scene, he began to give clarity about this great message because it was fulfilled through him. And, and his ministry. And so, so when, 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 the, when, the, when the writer here, the, the author, the preacher, when he says that, that it was confirmed to us by those who, who heard it, he's, he's saying here that, that they have assurance, a, a sense of firm assurance and a guarantee that the message that was delivered to them from those who were eyewitnesses, they can trust it. Because, because the eyewitnesses, they, they heard it directly from Jesus. And, 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 and they are absolutely certain that what they receive from those eyewitnesses is what Jesus had said. But, but, but even if that wasn't enough, he says that, that, that God also testified about the message through signs and wonders. Right, right. That, 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 that phraseology, signs of wonders, it reminds us of, 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 of what was transpiring when God delivered Israel from Egypt. It would have, it would have sent the, the Jews' mind back to the Passover and, and back to the, the plagues when God was doing signs and wonders to show that he was with the people and that he was sovereignly in control of their destiny. And so here he's letting them know, he says, just in the same way that God was sovereignly in charge of, of freeing Israel from bondage in Egypt, God has been sovereignly in charge of testifying about the validity of the message through his signs and wonders. The pastor's argument would have been ineffective had his hearers not experienced such confirming events when they received the gospel. But his, the preacher, he wants his listeners to remember the word that was preached by Jesus during his earthly ministry and it's confirmation through eyewitnesses, the testimony of the apostles. And he wants them to feel the severity of what it would mean for them if they neglected this message. In hopes that the seriousness of it all would give them endurance till the end. He's going to talk later on in chapter 12 about endurance. We're going to get there in a number of weeks. But the reason that he wants them to catch the seriousness of this message, the message that Christ is superior and is the only way to God, the reason that he wants them to catch this is because he wants them to endure till the end. My, my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, um, 
started running track for the first time, um, it's probably about a month ago, a little, little over a month ago. And um, you know, when, 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 when you're like a preteen age, and it, like if you're just starting to do something, especially sports, you're usually behind, right? Because most people start, you know, the kids usually start playing and you know, you know, uh, six, seven, eight or something. If you almost 13, you behind, right? And so, um, you know, she, she wanted to run track. We were trying to, you know, get her involved with some other kids her age. And, um, and uh, you know, so we, we had her go run track. Now, if you don't run track, you know, you can be fast, but, but, but track speed is different. Like, like just because like just you fast don't mean you got track speed. That's a different animal, right? Um, now, now, you know, maybe I didn't help my daughter mentally going into starting track for the first time because I'm very competitive. And so before her first practice leading up to it, I'm, I'm constantly in her ear like, listen, you're going to go out there and dominate. <laughs> like, you're going to get out there and dominate. You know how we do, right? You know how we do. Like, get, like you get out there, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm, I'm talking to her. I'm hyping her up. You know what I'm saying? I want her to have that dominant mentality. Like, like I'm, go, I'm coming in. I don't care who here. I don't care how long you've been running track. You know, you're about to get this work, right? You know? So maybe that was my fault. I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry, baby. Um, but but, but she's, she's really competitive, just like I'm competitive, right? And I, I love it. I, I love it. I don't let them win at nothing. Um, but, 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 but I love it, right? But her last track meet, her last track meet uh, a couple of weeks ago, or last week, it was last week. Uh, no, a couple of weeks ago. No, last week. It was last week. <laughs> um, um, they, 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 her, her, you know, it was the championships, and they had her running against older girls. Um, they bumped her up an age group and had her running against older girls, you know, who had obviously been running track for a long time. Now, and I saw the field before her first race, and I said, oh, man, this is, uh, is going to be a long day. Um, and, um, you know, for somebody who, who's never run track, she did a really good job. She, she did a really good job, but her first race, as soon it was, as it was over, I hadn't even seen her because the, 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 uh, the finish line was, was down a ways, but I knew she was going to be frustrated. And so, so, you know, I, I, I waited for her to walk back. I met her like halfway and I started talking to her. And, and I said, I said, baby, you know, I, I know you've never run track before, but listen, these, these, these girls are older than you. They've been running track for a longer time than you have. And, and it's okay that you're mad. I'm, I don't even want you to not be mad, right? It's okay that, that you're mad, but, but I don't want you to quit. And so I said to her, he said, I said to her, I said, I don't care if you meddle or not, but I want to see you keep competing the rest of the day. And then I walked away. And that's, guess what she did? She competed the rest of the day. And this, this, is, this, is what, this is what the preacher here is trying to get the Christian community to do. He said, I know there are some things that are pulling you away from where you're supposed to be. I know there are some enticements that are making it difficult to stand firm on the word that you've been given. But he said, I, I want you to finish till the end. I, I want you to get to the end of the race and say that I've poured my cup out as much as it could be poured out. He said, I ran the race and I finished my course. That's what the Paul, Paul the Apostle says. He, says. he says, I want you to be so serious about the message that I'm giving you today that, 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 that you're willing to fight to finish. 
There there are so many things that can shipwreck us along the way. There there are external forces and internal forces. But regardless of where it's coming from, it, it doesn't matter because the message of this great salvation must cause us to run for the prize till we obtained it. You know, when, when I'm out at the beach and just kind of floating around and acting like I don't see my kids playing on the, on the shoreline, and I look up and I see that I'm far from my umbrella and my chairs, and I know I need to get back there. You know, you know what helps stop me from drifting? So I put my feet down, and I I dig my feet into the sand. And because the current is still pushing me this way, I have to have have a little force. I got to stand firm a little bit. And even though the current's coming against me, I begin to slowly walk my way back to where I'm supposed to be. Because I know that the only way to keep from drifting is to actually make an effort not to drift. My brothers and sisters, I I just want to encourage you today. Put your feet down. Put your feet down. And stand firm on the foundation of the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That not only is he enough, but he's greater. Greater than anything you'll ever experience. Greater than anything that you've ever seen or done. He's greater. And because he's greater, you can experience the great salvation that he's offered. Father, we thank you, God, for the word of Jesus Christ. That this God who condemned us rightfully to an existence of being eternally separated from him. That as we sang earlier, that he made a way. Not because of anything that, we, that we've done, but because of his goodness and his mercy and his love, he just decided to make a way. And he made a way for us to come back into right relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. His name It's the only name by which men can be saved. And so we thank you for his name. We stand on his name. And we pray, oh God, that by your grace and the power of your spirit, you would help us to put our feet down so that we don't drift. God, we pray this in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're with us this morning, I'm going to invite you to take up the elements with us. Something that we get to do, those who have trusted upon the name of Jesus Christ and believed upon his name. We get to both to celebrate and remember what he did on the cross that gives us access to this great salvation. 
So on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. And as often as you do this, you're going to do it in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And afterwards, he took the cup and he blessed it and said, this is my blood, which has been poured out for your sins. He also says that, that he won't drink again from the fruit of the vine until he drinks it anew with us in his kingdom. So let's drink it together. Amen and amen. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.